0: Welcome to State House Soundbites, WITF's Pennsylvania Politics Podcast. I'm Katie Meyer, State Capitol Bureau Chief for WITF. You can hear my reports on public radio stations across the state. With me today are Paula Knudsen of the Caucus. Hey. 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 And John (laughs) Bayer of uh, Philly Inquirer and lots of other places. Yeah. Columnist. Hey. Hey. All right. So, um, we intended this week to talk about the... uh, Pennsylvania Farm Show. It's a big week for uh, the agriculture industry in the state and a big week for just eating lots of fried food in the farm show complex. But unexpectedly, um, uh, some other stuff happened this week that we just have to talk about briefly. So uh, to start that off, um, we have a state of emergency now. Uh, We are going to be in a state of emergency for 90 days due to the uh, opioid epidemic in Pennsylvania. That was announced yesterday. Uh, John, I mean, this is an unusual thing that Governor Wolf has done, right?
1: Yeah, they, they believe and they say that's never happened in Pennsylvania that uh, something like this has been called for a public health issue. Um, and, you know, obviously it's a, a needed and necessary thing. The, the cynic in me says, well, it's not like it's new in Pennsylvania. Six, seven, eight other states have done this before us. It just happens to come as Wolf-Anders' re-election year. I'm not saying that that was the motivation. I'm saying the timing is uh, in politics is always curious.
0: Sure. I think we always have to question when things happen because sure. there's always a greater plan, I think, behind every decision. Um, and a lot of this, I mean— the state's going to keep doing a lot of stuff that it's been doing on the opioid crisis anyway, but what this does is it basically lets them do things more quickly in certain circumstances? Right. It
1: cleans the runway and lets, lets uh, regulation step aside for a moment so that issues can get rushed through, some of them very important, like allowing Narcon to be left behind by EMTs that couldn't do that before because they would essentially be dispensing medicine, which they're not authorized to do. This allows them to do them in the event that they're recovering, uh, a overdose a client, patient, whatever you want to call it, has a lapse. So his friends, family, anybody who's close to him has a supply of the drug on hand. Right. It's a good thing to do if it's necessary. And
0: Yeah, know. absolutely. It also allows um, you know intake clinics, clinics that help people who have addiction problems. Um, it, it lets them bypass certain licensing requirements if they're a high-functioning institution. Right. So that's going to be a significant change. They also uh, let... It expands the amount of people who can admit patients to these clinics. So before, when it was only physicians, it was a kind of a slow process. Now physicians' assistants and nurses can also do intake. So that's going to speed things up a little bit. Right. Um, anything that stuck out to you, Paula? I think Just, you
2: know, the response John mentioned, you know, possible political motives, you know, you know, something to always look at. The response across the board was pretty, you know, supportive from Republicans and leadership and, yeah. and the Senate and the House. So, you know, this is something that that at the moment seems to be, you know, kind of embraced as a, another move to try to combat this epidemic in the state. But as, you know, things heat up with the budget process and the gubernatorial race, you know, could this become somewhat of a sticking point in terms of the direction, the collaboration between the governor and the House and the Senate? Who knows?
1: Right. And, of course, there was a splash of politics added it when uh, – Senator Scott Wagner yes. pointed out that one of the provisions of a, a declaration is uh, you can't carry an open firearm on the street. And so accused the governor of uh, coming after the gun rights, Second Amendment rights yes. of uh, Pennsylvanians, which, actually- <laughs> uh, at, at least in my world, brought a couple of giggles. Um, I, I, I don't think anybody's going to be deprived of their Second Amendment rights.
0: Well, right. Actually, this was—I saw this press release and I thought it was an interesting enough approach to dealing with the opioid epidemic or responding to how it's being dealt with that I looked into it. Um, it is technically true, although there's no provision in that statute Wagner citing that allows weapons to be seized, so it doesn't do a whole right. lot. And also, it's it's never enforced. I talked to the D.A.'s association, and nobody can remember a time when it's happened. So it's definitely, I think Wagner's putting his two cents in and his base is obviously people who enjoy and support uh, strong Second Amendment rights. So that... you know, again, as you said, it's an injection
2: of politics into this issue and the Wolf yeah. well, administration. Well, I think the description of a splash of politics <laughs> is good because as we get closer and closer toward the primary, those splashes are going to become puddles and lakes and rivulets right. and, you know, the whole thing. So as we're staring out the window looking at the rain, <laughs> I can't help but think, you know, the, the weather is going to get stormier in the, the politics scene. It is. And speaking of a splash of politics, <laughs> uh,
0: we talked to House Majority Leader Dave Reed yesterday, he came down to the newsroom for a bit, and he, um, he, Reed has always been asked about his political aspirations. He's a young guy. He's relatively well-liked. Um, and he always brushes it off. But now that uh, Bill Schuster, a congressman from Dave Reed's part of the state, is leaving Congress, uh, Reed is seriously considering, it appears, a congressional run. So that's going to make I think the budget process very interesting if he does end up running, because that'll mean that uh, the House Majority Leader and the House Speaker are both running for higher office. House Speaker Mike Terzai is running for governor. So, I mean, Bayer, you've watched this for a while. Anything like that happened in the past? Yeah,
1: no, we d- we don't see that uh, at that level. I mean, a congressional race is a serious undertaking, uh, as is a race for governor. So you have two of the major players in the budget committed possibly to uh, full-time campaigning and trying to get a budget settled. In Reed's case, it's interesting, there's been a lot of rumors for a couple of years that he wants out. Yes. Uh, Just probably frustrated. I had really high hopes for him when he came in because of his background, because of his education, because of his commitment to issues affecting the poor, which you don't often see in a Republican the leader, the poverty
2: caucus. He poverty did caucus. Tours right, absolutely. The state and really
1: about worth that.
0: noting, he was a, a Democrat in his youth. think yeah. He switched parties early on, and he's also been in the, the House for a very long time. I think he came in when he was 22 or 23.
1: Right. Yeah. So. Well,
2: we profiled him in the caucus. We do a feature called the interview every week, and this was a, toward the beginning of 2017. And we asked him about rumors of you know, whether he would run for higher office. And he said, you know, he has young kids and and it would be a huge commitment. So at that time, he kind of hedged. Yeah. Um, but as John said, I mean, a congressional run would be a huge commitment. It would. I mean, Especially in also- that
1: district. I mean, that district is the size of several states. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it literally runs the whole way up the middle of the Commonwealth. Uh, that's going to take a lot of hands on door knocking and You know, county to county campaigning. um, I don't know how you do that and also effectively run the state. It's an
0: interesting question. We should note he's not the only one interested in that seat. Um, John Eichelberger, a state senator, a powerful state senator from uh, that area, is. He's basically thrown his hat, and I think he's definitely running. He's also he's much more conservative than Dave Reed. He's uh, very pro-life. He's tried to defund Planned Parenthood a number of times. He's the chair of the education committee in the Senate, and he's very pro privatizing education. He's very pro-charter school, school choice. Um, so it'll be an interesting
2: dynamic if they both stay in that Absolutely. Race. And, you know, we have that March special election um, for the uh, Tim Murphy seat with right. current rep uh, Rick Sacone, a Republican from Allegheny, pitted against Connor Lamb uh, uh, from a prominent de- Democratic family. So... That you know, I think a lot of people from around the state and around the country are looking to see you know how that race plays out and, yeah, and that how that gonna, translates. That,
1: that race yeah. is going to get a lot of national attention. Uh, there are reports today that the president is coming in for Rick Saccone next week or soon or sometime.
2: The president or the vice president? The
1: president. Um, Donald, Donald <laughs> exciting <J>. Trump. News. <laughs> Very <laughs>
0: exciting news. I also just fun fact about Rick Saccone. The, old, the, the thing that I. Um, enjoy the most about him is in any committee meeting that Rick Saccone is a part of, they say the Pledge of Allegiance and Rick Saccone always very loudly says under God. That's kind of his Well,
2: here's a fun fact. We just profiled him for the interview and he talked about, um, he spent one year in North Korea. He was the only American reportedly living in North Korea at that time and he was working on this um, project that had been brokered by the Clinton administration to try to you know, deal with the arms race and safe use of, of um, energy development. But he talked about that and also his um, work over in the Abu Ghraib prison. He disclaimed any involvement with the torture, but really interesting guy who's got a Ph.D. and a counterintelligence background, which he says is useful in politics. Counterintelligence translates to politics. It's yeah. a big surprise.
1: I think the guy was a spook. I mean, um, I interviewed him a couple of times and just flat out asked, I said, you were a spook, right? I that's mean, because <laughs> Yeah. yeah. If, if, if you look at, when, he's, when he says he, he worked in counterintelligence, if you look at the hot spots in the world that he was uh, assigned to uh, while he was working for the federal government, you got to wonder, and uh, all he would say is, "Well, no, I I worked on finding spies." So, and I'm thinking, "Well, who does that? I mean, other spies <laughs> do that, right?" So, <laughs> so, so
2: it's, it's a John le novel. Yeah, but he is, via you, Harrisburg. He,
1: uh, Paul is right. I mean, he's a very interesting, interesting character. Yeah. So and, uh, keep an
0: eye on Rick a uh, Very religious, possible spy. Yep. Uh, staunch conservative. All right. Um, the other big thing we have to talk about before we get into our um, big farm show stuff is uh, gerrymandering uh there was a large federal court case in a philadelphia court that was decided this week um and it was brought by people who wanted pennsylvania's congressional maps to be declared unconstitutional uh it was struck down basically they sided with the state that the maps were constitutional it, it, this is a hard thing to prove that maps are unconstitutional right i mean what goes into that
1: yeah, it's a tough case because the uh, Supreme – U.S. Supreme Court in the past has basically said uh, we're not in the business of deciding the politics of individual states. Um, that's up to the individual legislatures. Um, but we're, we're starting to see some counter to that now. I mean, the North Carolina case, the federal district court in North Carolina just this week uh, threw out a map uh, on, on, the, on those very grounds that it, that it was drawn to benefit one particular party. And so I I, I think we're going to have a series of decisions for and against uh, these cases around the country. And ultimately, it's going back to the United States Supreme Court.
2: And this week when Leader Dave Reed was in the newsroom, I think maybe that was your question, Katie, about or or somebody's. um, Is the legislature prepared to deal with a decision that could come down on the maps? And how quickly will you deal with it? And he said, yeah, you know, we're we're not, you know, we know that these cases are out there and if we need to, we're ready to act.
0: Right. And, so, I mean, that's going to be an interesting you know, thing if it does happen, to watch how quickly they can do that. Um, now, we still have one more case, and this gets confusing, but we have the federal court case. We also right. have one in the state courts, and it's going to be considered in the Supreme Court this month, yeah. and um, the state Supreme Court. And that's, again, another map trying to get the Pennsylvania congressional boundaries maps declared unconstitutional. So we will see a lower court... Already said that uh, again, like the federal case decided with the state said the maps are fine. That was a Republican judge, a known Republican judge sure. who did that. Now the Supreme Court is majority Democrat by a five lot, five to two. So I mean, it could that could have a real impact on where this goes. Um, uh, we wanted to talk about Mike Stack too because he had a two cents mm-hmm. to put into this congressional uh, map discussion. Paul, you want to talk about the stack? Yeah. Map?
2: So we the caucus had covered it. I don't know, maybe a. A month or so ago, uh, the different lawyers involved, the law firms, the cost. We were trying to get an angle on how much was it costing the Commonwealth to defend um, these gerrymandering suits. And, of course, some of the folks involved are named defendants. They have to defend the suit. One of them was the lieutenant governor, Mike Stack. And um, this week, you know, it came out that he had come up with a plan for how to fix everything in one of his legal filings. Yes. And it's a map. Um, And, of course, there's a ton of maps out there, um, including maps from years ago that a a woman with a background in music education Mm -hmm. came up with. So, you know, lots of people are looking at these maps, but Lieutenant Governor Stack has his own map, and I'll pitch it over to John to talk about the map? It's
1: sort of his own map. There's no way it's its own map. I mean, he he portrayed it as his own map. In fact, it's a map, uh, one of hundreds that are already in evidence in the case, and this this particular map was drawn in the Supreme Court case here in Pennsylvania. This particular map was drawn by a a poli-sci professor from Missouri by the name of Chen, and uh, it looks like a good map, but when Stack put it up outside his office, he posted it as Stack's illustrative map when, in fact, it's by the admission of his lawyer who was standing right beside him just taken right out of the existing case.
2: Well, he's endorsing it, I guess. Right.
1: He's he's endorsing it. And putting his
0: name on the poster.
1: And conveniently also running for re-election this year. So.
0: <laughs> so Stack, I mean, maybe cut a corner to make it Maybe
1: so. Yeah. But
0: uh, in any case, he likes this map and is endorsing it. Right. And that is Stack's contribution to this conversation. Exactly. Um, all right. I think that's like the major stuff that happened this week. Um, so let's get to the real news, which is the Pennsylvania Farm Milkshakes. Show. Milkshakes. Milkshakes. Yeah. That's um, the real news. So the reason we've assembled this Farm Show panel is because Paul is a Farm Show enthusiast. Absolutely. Uh,
2: you've been going to the Farm Show every year. for My a whole time. life. Life, yep. decades um, it's a it's a big deal here in Pennsylvania and John has been going for many <laughs> years as well well
1: yeah. as, as since a child actually yeah. yeah I mean my farm show experience started in the old days um, you, you both may know my father preceded me in the Capitol newsroom uh, he was a reporter Capitol Hill reporter for the Harrisburg Patriot News uh, when I was a child and in those days the governor the incumbent governor, the night before the farm show opened, would invite the press and the press's family to preview the show. Hmm. And every year, a big deal is the first calf born during farm show week. That calf happened to be born that day, and it turns out that I, as a 7-year-old, was asked to stand beside this first-born calf My picture and the calf's picture.
2: That's awesome. What governor was it? It
1: must have been Lawrence or Duff or William Penn. uh, You know, (laughs) one of those older
2: guys. (laughs) So my
1: picture appears in the Harrisburg Patriot News the next day, and for a day, I was a second grade superstar. Oh, God. What
2: was the the calf's name? I uh,
1: remember. Oh, calf. That that was the calf. They
2: didn't name a Well, this year, the the big calf news is the calving corner. (laughs) Um, That they added uh, to a lot of delight of attendees, the opportunity to see the the calves actually being born, birthed there in the farm show. Live
0: birth in the farm
2: show. I've heard that um, I didn't sign up for this, but there was a text message application where you could sign up to get (laughs) alerts about the calf being born. Uh,
0: The miracle of life.
2: New new farm show thing.
0: Amazing, I love it. So. we also want to say, I just want to say, because I'm not um, a native Pennsylvanian. Last year was my first year on this job and my first year going to the farm show. And I just, this is one of those things where I think a lot of people outside of Pennsylvania and even outside of like the rural areas, maybe people in the bigger cities, they look at this and they're like, what a weird, quaint thing yeah. that Pennsylvania does. But this is, I mean, it's sort of just something that's in the fabric of this state. Like it, it's an important thing that we do here, isn't it?
1: It is. It's, it's its I, I like to call it the real Pennsylvania. I mean, 48 of our 67 counties are designated as rural counties, and it, they're often forgotten uh, by politicians. I've made a habit of inviting politicians running for office to go through the farm show with me uh, during election years. I've done it many, many times. Um, I've always loved it because the people, I mean, rural people, it's like, it's like visiting the Midwest uh, when you go and talk to these people and ask them what they're interested in. And I often get my eyes open. I mean, one of the first, uh, the first time I took Ed Rendell through was his first run for office. And he had been the mayor of Philadelphia. He was the head of the Democratic National Committee. And he was running for governor in a primary the first time.
0: And he's a city person.
1: And it, definitely city person. I mean, he showed up in a blue suit, tie, white shirt. Uh, nobody wears a suit tied, you know, at the farm show. But the thing that surprised me, and I had doubts, I mean, if you looked at Ed Rendell's resume at that time and compared it to the majority of Pennsylvanians, he would not be an automatic sell. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. A, you know, a big city lawyer uh, from Philadelphia, Jewish, supports uh, gun control, supports abortion rights, supports gay rights. That, at that time, was not a great model to run in rural Pennsylvania. But what I noticed going through was people recognized him not as the former mayor of Philadelphia. They recognized him from Comcast. Eagles post game shows oh, interesting. Uh, and and then my eyes were open and I said aha this is why this guy's gonna win this primary you know
2: but it really does give you you know a slice of all walks of Pennsylvania so for our edition next week um, I did kind of a man on the street where I just walked around and talked to different farmers and asked them what do you think about the gubernatorial race and people People had responses all over the map, but one of the ones that I found kind of, you know, most interesting and a little bit sad really was two um, younger people, a 21-year-old farmer and a 31-year-old um, a pipe machinist, who were both from Cumberland County. They were both there working um, uh, on a cow. They were grooming her. They said neither one of them votes. Neither one of them is registered to vote. They see no point in it. Mm -hmm. Um, 95% of all politicians are doing bad things, including Donald Trump, the 21-year-old told me. So, you know, folks there, just like across the country, expressed some dissatisfaction. But I also had some really interesting discussions with farmers about um, milk prices, milk policy, um, watershed health, things like that. So... It really, agriculture is a huge part of Pennsylvania, important to these Pennsylvanians. And that lunch last week, the public officials' lunch, drew 700 people, including, as John says, the path the path to a uh, you know governor runs through the farm show as he walked <laughs> right. around with Eddie um, at the luncheon. Governor Wolf was seated at the same table with Lieutenant Governor Stack and Mike Terzak. A rarity. Yeah. So they were all there. It looked like they got along swell. um, And there were lots of folks in the room, representatives, a couple senators, cabinet officials. But agriculture is a big deal.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and no politician wants to be averse uh, or seen aversely by the Pennsylvania's rural community. I mean, the rural community, especially in the 2016 presidential election, showed its strength. Um, that's that all all of the models going into that race had Hillary Clinton winning Pennsylvania because nobody expected the existing rural vote that has never turned out in numbers like it did last year in 2016 turned out yep. so nobody's going to take that vote for granted anymore
0: yeah and why <laughs> One of my favorite things at the farm show is you mentioned politicians. They do the road to the governor's office, runs through the farm show. Um, they go there, and their mo is really just to try to be relatable to people. Like they talk to people. They. Yeah, I think, well, first of all, when you talk to anybody at the farm show, I think there's a couple big takeaways, like issue wise, that you hear. Because these are, like, literally the things that farmers and rural people think about. It's, you know, the dairy industry right mm-hmm. now is in trouble. Milk prices are plummeting. Um, and other countries that are not the U.S. are much more competitive than right. they used to be. So that's top on anyone's mind. And then also permitting. Like, permitting is a huge deal for agriculture. And so a lot of them, I think, one of the reasons lots of these guys are conservatives, Republicans, is that they don't like, you know, heavy regulations, especially for, like, you mentioned watershed stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's kind of what's on top. Are there any other things that you hear a lot when you walk through there? Well,
1: one of the things that struck me was I was at last Saturday, I was at a luncheon, uh, the, yeah. the longest agricultural luncheon on the planet. <laughs> they
0: um, are long. Uh,
1: they uh, with, this one was like three hours. And, and it involved uh, all six um, candidates Democratic candidates who are opposing Mike Stack for lieutenant governor. He now has six people running against him. Yeah. One of them um, is a young woman from Murraysville. She's 35 years old, mother of three, Iraq war veteran by the name of uh, Ariana Beringer. And she, she told her personal story, which is compelling, but she really grabbed the room when she said, you know, we spend X million dollars on uh, public school food, cafeteria food for lunches and breakfasts throughout the state. And Pennsylvania farmers actually get a very small percent of that. So she said, why don't we come up with a program that would ensure that Pennsylvania products are, are used more in Pennsylvania public schools, which A, is a great idea, and B, really rocked the room. I mean, she really had some impact. I mean, people were very receptive to that. Yeah. So...
2: You know, in the Pennsylvania products, if you, you know, there's wine, there's honey, there's you know wool. There's textiles. There's hemp. This year was a big issue with really? the, the legalization of, of industrial hemp. It was something that was very common in Pennsylvania some years ago. If you think about it in Lancaster County, hemp field um, that the school district is named after the the once very. Uh, prominent fields of hemp. So it's a product that can be used and got a lot of attention. One thing I want to give a shout-out to Bessie's Best Lactation Cookies. Amazing. They were there um, <laughs> under the steps as you go up from the food area up toward the large arena. And it caught my attention because it was a pretty big area. They had stalls there for women who were nursing their babies. Um, they sell cookies to help women um produce more milk. But the other thing that um, I was talking with Julie from, from the company, she said that a family in a year before had told her their adult disabled son, they had to change his diaper in a hay stall. Um, and so they decided, they sponsored this area. They put an adult changing area in. And I mm-hmm. thought that was a great idea. That that was, a great idea. And it just shows you the, the breadth of people who are coming into the farm show from, you know, people from all walks of life, all backgrounds, you know, little kids, uh, senior citizens from urban and rural areas. It, it's it's really a prominent activity um, that... that is important to Pennsylvania. So that's why when we were talking about this in the newsroom earlier in the week we said, well this is the thing, but as we talked about earlier, this week had some other things. Yeah,
1: news snuck up on us. Uh, no, the
2: other
1: thing the other product Paul I'm talking about products, yeah. um, tobacco is a surprisingly big product in Pennsylvania and it's one of the reasons people always ask me, why don't why are we one of the few states that don't tax cigars? Yeah. Well, one of the reasons is that there's a there's a lot of cigar tobacco made in Pennsylvania. Some of mm-hmm. it some of it you know produced here some of it sold to other states so agriculture does have impacts that we don't usually see
0: we were talking about politicians striving to be relatable and to relate to the people uh the real americans at the farm show and john you've been going to the farm show with politicians for a long time you know how (laughs) are there certain ones that you look back on and you're like this is a
1: Well, yeah, sure. Um, uh, Two years ago when uh, John Fetterman, the mayor of Braddock, was running for the uh, U.S. Senate primary. He's
0: running for lieutenant governor
1: now. Running for lieutenant governor now. Uh, I went through the farm show with him, and John, as you know, draws attention just by his presence, 6'8", 300-plus pounds, dressed all in black, and tattooed on both arms. Um, and, but I was surprised by the number of people who actually knew who he was, not just, you know, people come up to me and said, I'm with you, big guy. And Fetterman turned to me and said, If only I could get my name on the ballot as big guy, (laughs) uh, you know, I'd be okay. But we walked past the food court and there is, One of my favorite products, chocolate-covered bacon, which I pointed out to Fetterman, who said, wait a second, isn't bacon awesome enough by itself? (laughs) So you get, I mean, one of the joys of going through the farm show with a politician is you get to see a side of them that isn't a press release or isn't uh, a press conference. You know, you just get to see them interact with people and react to things. Uh, Rendell was a pleasure to go with. Corbett was a little bit more... stayed um Allison Schwartz former congresswoman who ran both for governor and for US senate would not go with me um, but then brought me a small toy cow as <laughs> As a sort of appeasement. Why
2: wouldn't she go with you? Uh,
1: I think they claimed a the conflict of schedule, but.
2: Bear, this is an important question. What are, what are a couple tips you can offer to politicians going through the farm show? What, well, first of all, dress the tip? part. I okay, mean,
1: right. D- dress casually and. and no per- suits. No no, three-piece su- suits. no suits. You see and a
0: lot of politicians with like brand new hiking boots. Yeah.
1: On the
2: farm
0: show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, a more.
2: plaid shirt that looks like it has some creases in it still from the box. My favorite
0: was Tom Wolf last year. I was following him around for a while and he had on his tom wolf casual wear which was <laughs> his khakis and loafers and a nice sweater yeah which, <laughs> right right w-
1: w- which is more like country club than right than, than, so tip than, you
2: know, one dra- dress casually. well and
1: particularly shoe wear uh, yes. because you don't know where you're going to be stepping in. at the farm yeah, show right, right? So, so don't do
2: the
0: ed Rundell blue suit
1: right right, right. don't right. do the ed Rundell blue suit right. And interact with with people, um, but you know, don't force yourself on people. I mean, you can tell when you when you walk up to somebody and they have no interest, you can tell that. Right. But but if you go up to a group, and particularly kids, I mean, there are a lot of kids, four H kids, with their animals. Go talk to them. That's always that's always fun, and you, and you get some good uh, feedback from that. And it gives great photo op to, uh, yes. anybody, any photographers who's following you, or in, in our case, the iPhone, uh, <laughs> uh, the iPhone age. And you gotta go to the food court, yeah. and, and you gotta eat something. <laughs> um, it, despite the, you know, and, I mean, I always tell everybody, never look directly at the butter sculptor. <laughs> because I think looking at a thousand pounds of butter yeah. can clog, clog your arteries, right. you know. So, but you gotta visit that. And ooh and ah over the, uh, uh, over the artistry of it. Yes. Uh, and appreciate the animals. Um, I mean, the animals are a big big focus of the thing so
2: this year the the speaking of the animals the there was slated to be some kind of protest but i guess they they pulled out They call it off i know they did
0: it last year it was very fun
1: the animal rights folks
0: yeah and actually it was during uh the governor's like you know he does like that opening speech at the farm show and they uh they did their protest and got dragged away by security and we asked governor wolf about it and he was like i didn't even notice that he and, and, was, Tom Wolfen is yeah. very the focused. I
1: mean, this year zone. Scott Wagner had a clear advantage. Um, he grew up on a farm. Yes. Um, and so could really, pardon the pun, milk that for all it was worth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I'm certain that he did.
2: Well, he told us for our story next week that he bought seventy-five to $80,000 worth of animals. Now, he says this is something he's been doing for years. It's not just for, you know, political play in the gubernatorial race. He supports the 4-H kids. He's really, you know, interested in making sure that their programs are supported. And we when we profiled him last year... It was actually during farm show week, and we had to send our photographer out to the farm show to try to find him. He was bidding uh, on animals last year. <laughs> was I think, he really? I think it was a steer or a hog he was after um, when our photographer kept, caught up with him. So, That's funny, you know, big money here involved in, in the farm show when you talk about $80,000 worth of, uh, you know, animal purchases. Yeah. yeah,
0: and I will say, just speaking of Scott Wagner, I think his, you know, personal brand, because all politicians have those, is very... You know, you know appeals to the rural community. I think we were looking for this the other day. He's had ads, you know, emphasizing the fact that he's been on farms, he's got himself riding tractors and then also riding his garbage trucks. Yeah, up here he
2: had a um right we're looking out at the Capitol right now, um, he was directly in front of the Capitol building I I on a on a trash truck, uh, driving up and down the street <laughs> filming a campaign video and he was saying something along the lines of it's time to take out the trash in pennsylvania so he's got some effective um farm and and um, garbage truck ads he can roll out yeah Yeah. yeah,
1: he really does i mean and uh, a lot of people particularly in my media market in philadelphia take a dim view of that sort of cheesy approach but uh paul is absolutely right and kate you're absolutely right that that does have an awful lot of appeal to an awful lot of people as just sort of one of us. Yep. Um, you know, just kind of a, an average guy, never went to college, never finished college. He says that a lot. And he's proud of it. I mean, he wears it like a badge uh, to say, look, I'm not above you, I'm among you. Yep. Uh, this this
2: race is between, on the uh, Republican side, is fascinating. We, we profiled it for our edition this week, Sam Janish and Brad Bumstead covered Ellsworth, Mango, Wagner... And Terzai, and they each have these different bits of them that m- make it a fascinating race. You know, what we were talking about with Wagner and Ellsworth, you know, the head of this massive law firm. Um, you know, Mango's got the military background. Terzai, of course, with his long uh, leadership in the House. So these next couple months are going to be fascinating here for Pennsylvania politics.
0: And speaking of relatable things that politicians do, Tom Wolf, I noticed, uh, started bringing out his Jeep again. Well, yeah, he, he drives the Jeep now and <laughs> yeah. then. Right. You know, through the year, but you start seeing the Jeep more. I think around campaign time because that's sort of one of his everyman um, oh, signifiers. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so that's one of my favorite things to keep an eye out for: Tom Wolf's Jeep. The Jeep. Um, uh, all right. Well, farm show still runs for a couple more days. Well, it's just tomorrow, tomorrow right? Tomorrow right. morning. Um, so <laughs> go get yourself a milkshake after While you are listening time. to the podcast yes the milkshakes are genuinely very good
1: 165,000 <laughs> milkshakes are sold in the week of the farm show that
2: is a fun I'm, fact I'm
1: reliably told by the dairyman's association how many
2: calories per milkshake
1: oh I think five or six
2: yeah, if you five, look or, six. five <laughs> or
1: six five or six that's
2: good
0: <laughs> if you want to look for something fun there was a great picture of you in a nice little hat serving milkshakes earlier this week wasn't there and you there? can imagine
1: the grief that I took about that hat. (laughs) Some of my colleagues responding on social media, one said, this could mean the end of farm subsidies. Uh, (laughs) Someone else said, you should wear that hat all the time. Uh, (laughs) It'll be your
0: new signature. Exactly. All right. well, that's the farm show. Um, I think it's a very important part of Pennsylvania um, culture and politics to be talking about. So, it'll be a
2: yearly thing we do. Thanks so much, Katie.
0: Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.
1: Happy Friday. Thank you. Happy Friday
2: back next week.